You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting you ready for all the biggest games across the college sports world. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU, as the introduction suggests. My name is Jeffrey Wright. I am the host of the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show weekdays from 2 until 4, right here on Nights Giannotto FM ESPN in Memphis. You can stream us live on the Odyssey app at all times. My co-host, as always, is RJ Choppy, the co-host of Sean and RJ, 5.30 to 10 a.m. on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He's on Twitter at RJ Choppy. RJ yeah. I have been waiting all week for this. I didn't want to let my head go there. We talked about it on the show. I didn't want to take North Carolina because I just didn't want, I didn't want to think about that moment. And honestly, as much as gambling can change the way we watch sports, that might have been the best decision I've ever had because I had no skin in the game, and I got to enjoy Coach USA's hashtag curtain call with two Ks Unlike any other, I'm not kidding you. That was one of the top five sports nights of my life. It was amazing. I could not get enough of it. Man, it, it really was, especially when you factor in uh, this was a monumental upset. Like, Carolina doesn't belong on the same floor as Duke, realistically. You know, like they got blown out earlier this year. Um, that was one of the great at days. Home. Yeah, at home. And, and, and nobody confuses – the um nobody confuses the Duke and Carolina home court advantages. Like nobody ever would confuse those two. Duke's got a real home court advantage. And Carolina, you know, love them. They're more of a wine and cheese crowd. And they always have been. That's what they were called. Um, so it is it has never been a uh, a, a a look, this rivalry has always been great. I always found Duke was the team that was more likely to pull the major upset, but Carolina, what a night. What an absolute banger of an evening for college basketball. Yeah, I said this on Twitter afterwards, and I stand by this. Hubert Davis could get fired next year, and his career was still a success as the head coach just for winning this game. Like, I was thinking about it. If you're a Carolina fan, where does that win rank? Because in terms of, like, obviously Carolina's got championships. They've won you know, everything there is to win in the sport. But for the rest of your life and the rest of, like, that rivalry, you get to say you ruined Coach K's night. I legitimately think it would be, if I were a Carolina fan, that would mean just as much to me as the second Tyler Hansborough championship because that championship was so anticlimactic. Don't get me wrong, a championship is a championship, but you just won it the previous year. To have that hanging over Duke fans for the rest of your life, that has to be like one of the most delicious thoughts in your entire existence. I, I, I it has to be, it, it has to just really, I mean, gr- the Duke fans are crying. This is a regular season game and they were in tears in Sesame street. Austin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was like for them to be in tears like that the whole night, it made everything about this was perfect 
everything about this was as textbook as you could get. You, we asked for great theater. None of us thought we were getting great theater going in. At least I didn't. I didn't think we were going to get into this series or into this game and think, man, this will be a, ba- a great game. No, it was not. A, it was not thought to be a great game. It turned out to be an upset. Uh, but nobody going in thought that Carolina, at least I didn't think that Carolina was going to give them much of a shot. No, I actually kind of, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I don't know how you felt, but like I was begrudgingly turning it on. Like I was turning it on thinking like, I'm just going to, I was basically just going to you know, be a masochist. I was going to, yeah. I was going to torture myself for two hours and lo and behold, I think that's why it was such an amazing moment for me. It was so unexpected and the way that it happened, it was just amazing. And I'm, I wouldn't, I'm what, uh, I'm a fan of history. I would never consider myself a historian. I didn't major in it in college, whatnot, but I really, really love history. I love, you know, I, I, I know a lot about world war two, but if I go and I read a world war two book, I'm going to learn something new. And what I love about last Saturday night is I'm treating it like a moment in time where I find out something new that I love that happened on Saturday night each and every day. Like if you've got a new podcast and you've got hashtag thoughts about that Duke North Carolina game, Coach K's curtain call, I'm clicking. If you got a story, I'm clicking. I'm finding something new each and every day and I cannot get enough of it. Like it's not even clickbait for me. It's something that I need in my soul. And I actually thought it would be constructive to go through some of our best moments from that night because I thought it was truly that special. And I think for a historic moment, just like it was, I think it's the perfect way to honor Coach USA. Coach K deserves it. So here are a few things that I had written down, and you tell me me where these rank for you. First and foremost, the Texas-Kansas game delaying it and having to do the split screen on the ESPN, just a tremendous start. Unbelievable start. That, that is number one for me. In fact, that, was that, is the, that is the first thing I wrote down. That is the first thing I wrote down that the KU-Texas yes. game went long, cutting into coverage. That, to me, without question, was my favorite part of the entire night. It saved us from a few minutes of more insufferable Coach K coverage. We didn't have to watch the, the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, and the best part was also watching ESPN try to figure out, like, how are we going to do this? Well, I guess we can we can split screen it. Oh, we could go put it on ESPN News. Like, uh, I, I don't know what to do. Quick, someone call Coach K. He'll tell us what to do. Like, that was just a <laughs> tremendous start. Number two for me. No senior day. No senior day. And the best part, when Coach K was pressed upon it, like, he was got really surly in Coach K egomaniac fashion. And he said, well, yeah, some of these guys already had senior days at, at other schools. And, and, and some of these guys, uh, they're, they're coming back. They could, they could come back. So no senior day. Him having to try and dance around the fact that he was not going to have a senior day because it was his damn day, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing it in chronological order. The Coach K logos, like he had died. Mm-hmm. Like the, the logo patch that they had put on their jerseys that you would honor for someone that had died, that yep. was amazing. Making all the assistants wear the Coach K uh, quarter zips, absolutely great stuff. Um, throughout the game, 
uh, him cussing at the refs and then still trying to spin zone. What an amazing man. Uh, also, did you see this on the the video, like the, the video package of recapping his career? He did his own voiceover. That was a new one for me, especially yeah. considering like how many celebrities like they could have gotten anyone to do this. But no, there was only one man for the job. And that man was Mike himself. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld wearing the earplugs. That was laugh out loud funny. Like, I, I, that was <laughs> what's that was the deal with amazing. earplugs? Yeah. What's the deal? Like, that was, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, that, way, that was amazing. Um, is Morgan Freeman the only one that could legitimately do the voiceover for their own career and it not sound odd to us? I think that's probably I think that's probably true. The other one, and honestly, I think rest in peace, Casey Kasem telling his own story, oh, I yeah. feel like would be right. But like yeah. in the end, you have you have to have a voice. You have to have a voice that we want to hear. Mike Shashevsky does not have a voice that we want to hear. And you're uh, you're 100% right. Like Morgan Freeman, you would rather have him tell the story because you'd rather like he's pleasant to listen to. And, and I think Casey Kasem would probably have also okay. fit into that. Um, as you mentioned, the kids, the kids crying and wearing like Sesame Street and Disney costumes. Like that's the type of visual I. Sometimes you hope for something of that amazing to happen, but you can't really expect it, and it did not disappoint. A um, few other things. Uh, the storm off right after the game, because I really thought we were about to have a situation where he was going to storm off, and he was not going to come out and do the speech. Um, also, the assistant coach not shaking hands because apparently they had asked North Carolina to shake hands before the game, and North Carolina was like, F that, <laughs> absolutely not. Like, no, we're, we're going we're gonna to do this like we do everything else. Um, the fact that nobody adjusted their speeches, like they all wrote speeches like they were going to, that they had won the game, and the fact that, yeah. like, no one adjusted it, that was amazing. Obviously, the, the impromptu, uh, that was unacceptable, and then cutting – not only cutting off the crowd before they had actually said anything or jeered and whatnot, him just getting one last opportunity to coach up people that he doesn't coach. That was yeah. amazing. Um, him sitting on the bench and basically making everyone pledge fealty to him as they were delivering the speeches. I thought that was amazing. Also the ACC network at one point, like cut out because you could tell like, they didn't know how it was going to go, and they could not afford to have any bad bad mojo, bad visuals for Duke. Those were some of the things that I had written down. Like I, I know, like I said, this is going to be one of those situations where I'm going to relive this night for years, yeah. maybe decades to come, and I'm going to find new favorite things all the time. But those were the things that I had written down from last night to do some prep because, God, that was just amazing. That was yeah. an all-timer for me. You, uh, you, you said 80% of mine, because uh, I had the number one thing I okay. had was Kansas-Texas going long. Um, I had the Chris Carowell showing how classy the program really is uh, by not shaking hands with Hubert Davis. 
Um, I did have the uh, the Duke fans crying, coupled with this is the parlay, the double play, Coach K crying. He was in tears as well. Um, and then the the Coach K yelling at them for you know for cheering him at the very end. I I, I do think you left one major thing off, uh, and that was the best part of the whole night was Duke losing. That, that to me yes, was my, yes. yeah, that was my favorite part of the whole night is that Duke lost. And you know, now it's that that's going to be their last loss of the year because they're just going to get a red carpet all the way to the ACC and the NCAA crown by the, uh, the zebras. They're going to, it's going to be Bennett Salvatore giving Dwayne Wade that, that, uh, you know, that, that front row ticket to the free throw line in games three, four, five, and six, of the 06 finals. It, it could be something very easily like that. In your mind, how far does Duke have to go to erase this memory? Final four. Final four. I think that's right. I, at first, I was like, do they have to win it all? I think if he goes to the final four, that probably does. I do think, though, would you agree with this? I think this makes it almost a 1,000% certainty that he is coming back and coaching at some point. I don't know if he's going to stab John Shire in the back. I don't know if he's going to give John Shire the flu and he's going to have to come down and save the day. This, to me, just guaranteed he's going to coach another game. You think so? Okay. Uh, at Duke or does he oh, go yeah. back to Army? No, no. He's going to coach at Duke again at some point, not this season, obviously. I think that was another underrated aspect. They were acting like the season was over. That was unreal. Yeah. Well, they're they're not they're they're Duke fans and they're Duke students, but they're not smart. Like that's the thing, you know. They need they have. You saw the cheer sheets. They have cheer sheets. What I, I've never, you know, I, I've been a fan of sports my whole life. Never once, never once have I looked to another to tell me how and when and what to cheer for. Like, I have never done that before. I don't know about you. I, I have never said, guys, I would love to be able to be a part of this crowd. I really, though, need a front-back piece of paper with information that I could have done on my own to tell me exactly what to do and when to do it. And the other best part about it is they always get upset when people make fun of them. Like, well, what's wrong with being organized? It's like, it's a freaking cheer sheet. Like, yeah, at least at least get like the quarterback band where like, you know, you get a signal and you're like, OK, all right, uh, we're in 33. Like at least like make it somewhat sports related, because the only thing I can think of when I see a cheer sheet is like when a southern NHL team makes the playoffs and they have to hand out the rules of hockey to the people that are going to the game. <laughs> so great. Like, that's the only time like, I think that's acceptable. <laughs> you get the oh, it's an offsides. What's an offsides? An icing. What's an icing? I don't even know what this. What's a two line pass? They don't even have that anymore. Uh, it, it's a th- the 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 Southern hockey team. Boy, you could, there yep. could not be a better comparison to that. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, you guys are organized. It's why you're at Duke. It's also why we make fun of you because sports fans go in and they cheer from the heart with reckless abandon. That's what we do. It was one of those beautiful memories of sometimes why indeed. We watch sports. It was one of the yeah. greatest nights of my life. I can, it'll, it'll never be taken away from me. And I hope as long as I live, I will always remember that night. 
All right, when we come back, we're going to turn our attention. we got conference tournament week going on. we got bids up for grabs. We'll discuss all that and more when we come back right here on BetQLU in the action. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Hey, welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. All right, RJ, we've got conference tournament weekend before we find out the brackets on Sunday. Let's start with this question. Beyond, beyond rooting interests and gambling, what conference tournaments interest you the most in terms of big picture? Um, you know, historically, you know, I, I always find a way to, to watch the big East tournament historically. Um, you know, but, but this year, honestly, the big 12 tournament is, is always in my backyard. Usually, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I should say it's in my backyard, but I, but I work in big 12 country. Uh, that's always uh, one that's got interest uh, for me because there are a lot of local schools that usually find their way into it. Although this week they've kind of found their way out of it kind of quick kind of quickly although tcu is still uh is still in there which is good for them but that is that is one of them i think anytime that you have one seeds on the line and we're going to have that in the sec uh with uh you know kentucky and auburn might um you know might be in line for a one seed if they wind up meeting and whoever wins that game if they're putting enough stock in the tournament i don't know i don't know that they are but you know, so I, I, there's a couple of them out there that still interest me. I don't, for the first time in forever, I don't really have a ton of interest in the ACC tournament. I think it's fair, but don't you think that's probably because, in general, the league just hasn't felt that good this year? Right. That's exactly what it is. Uh, it's It seems like it's Duke and a lot of other teams. Yeah, and I mean, maybe Carolina really did you know, we're recording this on Friday. Carolina was really impressive against Virginia, but then everything has to kind of be couched. as like, well, Virginia scored like 34 points. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how, how impressive is it? I will admit this. There's a little fear for me of Carolina and Duke and Duke finding a spin zone of beating Carolina in the tournament to salvage anything. Like, I just kind of want – I don't want that rematch. Like, I, I don't want anything out there to taint what happened last Saturday night. Right. Right. We need to keep that pure. That needs to yes. be in our hearts. It needs to be in our hearts yes. for the rest of our lives. When uh, when we go see – you know, when we watch Carolina and Duke games uh, from here in, in, into perpetuity, we need to be able to look inside our souls and our hearts and say, we saw one of the great games of all time, the, 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 the end of Coach K, the end of an era – the end of a run, and we saw it, and nothing spoiled it, nothing tainted it. And this would be a great year for Mercer and a first-round exit. It really would be. Gosh. It's probably yes. not going to happen, but it really would be. No, that would, oh, my God, that would just – and then you, he has to wait for the cameras. He, had to, he would have to wait. First, you'd have to position the cameras outside the Mercer locker room and then let yeah. everyone know he's going in to congratulate them. But yes. make sure – first, he has to make sure that, of course, the cameras are rolling. I think there's a couple of interesting things. I think the Big 12 tournament, it was interesting until last night. And now I am really fascinated with Baylor losing to Oklahoma 
it does set up a nice path for Kansas. And it felt like coming into the week, the general consensus was Gonzaga has a number one seed locked up. Arizona has a number one seed locked up. And it felt like four teams were playing for two, for two spots. Baylor, Kansas, Kentucky, and Auburn for those final two number one seeds. Well, we see Baylor lose last night to Oklahoma. As we record this, Auburn's down 16 at the half to Texas A&M in the, their first game of the SEC tournament. So who knows there? Yeah. Kentucky yet to play. And Kansas at this point, uh, Kansas last night knocked off West Virginia, or yesterday afternoon knocked off West Virginia. So they take on TCU. But the other thing about it is, are we missing anyone out there that you think could grab the number one seed? Because that's, that's the general thought. But for me, there's also this question of how much stock are they going to put into the conference tournaments? Because in years past, the, the more that time goes on, the less and less it seems like they matter in terms of how they make decisions. We, um, you know, la- the last time we did the Saturday show, we had on Shelby from Bracket Wag. Uh, yep. And he said that he doesn't think that the the committee really looks at the conference tournaments anymore. Like their brackets, uh, he thinks they're pretty set going in. Okay, I mean, I don't really know how true that would be. I don't know. Like, you know, he's obviously not in the room. It's just speculation. But I, I don't know how much stock they put in the conference tournaments anymore. The 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 further and the more involved we get we recognize that six months is better than six days. And do you really want to put a ton of stock into what happens in a week or a weekend? If you're like, if you're, if you're, if you have a double buy in the sec, you got three games. Uh, like, do we really have to put a lot of stock in that? So I wonder how much stock they're going to put into this. And if they haven't already made their minds up on Kentucky or Kansas on Baylor or Auburn or Baylor or Kansas or Kentucky or Auburn. Now in a case of a split series season series, that game would come down to the rubber match, and maybe that would be the deciding factor. They just flip-flop the teams. But, you know, there, there is – I don't know what other teams out there I would put in the running for the one line. Maybe Texas Tech? Um, so you know, they're- Texas Tech's case would be this. They're sitting at eighth in the net, and presumably, I, I would assume in your scenario, Tech goes on to beat Oklahoma today, and then they would beat Kansas – for the third time, correct? No, no, second time. Yeah, they beat Baylor. They two out of three against Kansas. Yeah. yeah. I suppose, I mean, to me, let's see. You look at their quad one. They're seven and eight. Presumably, they'd get another one with Kansas. So, that would put them at eight and eight. And then another quad two win. Maybe. I, I keep coming back to, though, it's all kind of dependent on Kansas. And my deal with Kansas is, I, unless Kentucky su- suffers another bad loss and they really can at this point, I guess if they lose to Vanderbilt, that, that's a bad loss. I just cannot overlook the fact that Kentucky and Kansas have incredibly similar resumes. In fact, for the most part, Kentucky's is, has been probably stronger. And yeah. I just cannot overlook head-to-head when Kentucky goes on the road and absolutely thumps them in Lawrence the way they did. Like, in my opinion, like, I just do not see how you can give Kansas a one seed and not give it to Kentucky if those are – if they – like, I don't see a situation where you can give Kansas a one and Kentucky a two. I agree. I don't know how you can do that. 
Uh, now, we, we've seen crazier things happen, right? I mean, we have seen uh, the, the committee just on us with where teams are seated, where teams are sent, where they're located, what seed line they're on, uh, the matchups that they get. We've seen that. But I, I, look, if, I were, if I were the committee, Kentucky would be a one for me uh, over, over Kansas. Um, you know, Kentucky's game that they're going to have, they're going to play, um, you know, if if if, every, if if Chuck holds, you know they're going to play Tennessee and Auburn. I mean, if they go through those two, that's pro- that, that, that theoretically should be a one seed. Do you see any path for our worst nightmare? Is there a path for Duke to get a one? Uh, yeah, there is. Um, I I think the path for. Again, assuming the committee puts stock in the conference tournaments, I think you need um, you need like a TCU to win the Big Twelve, or maybe a Texas Tech, or like Oklahoma. Need, One of, yeah, or Oklahoma. You need a Tennessee to win the SEC because they're not they're they're too far away. I think they're only a three. I think they're too far away to get a one. Or Arkansas, uh, Some, something like that. Yeah, Arkansas, whatever. Yeah. You need, you know, Villanova and Providence, and you know, nothing really. Nothing out of the Big East is going to happen anyway. Uh, there's a there's a path, but it's going to take an ups, a couple of upsets, like a couple of big upsets to get a, to get them a one. Do you see what it? What about Villanova? What about Villanova? They're sitting. I think they've consistently been like a three seed. The question for me is, how much? How much can the Big East tournament offer in terms of a couple of statement wins? And then there's also this weird reality that the East Regional is going to be in Philly. So I, I, I feel like there's some complicating factors. But, I mean, in the end, you know, does that mean they ship them out west? I, I don't know. I, I, you know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I like Villanova. Uh, I do. And, and, I, and I think part of it is, you know, I'm a big fan of guard play. and They've got good guard play. Um, and, and you know, that tournament time, that is, that is as key as it gets, you know, we've seen the two most improbable runs of our generation, both happen with the same university, a couple years apart and in the same manner, they had a singular guard that took over the game and neither guard was this, you know, all world NBA player, you know, like Carmelo, when he did it, you know, he wasn't a guard, but like he became an all world NBA player. Kemba Walker wasn't an all-world NBA, but he was a good player, but he wasn't all-world. And Shabazz certainly wasn't either. Um, but, you know, Nova's got good guard play. And if you have that, you've got a puncher's chance in this tournament. But I don't think they're getting a one. Yeah, like even last night, you know, they they did not play well. And then Gillespie just kind of, you know, he just kind of found a way. And I don't know, there's this weird See, this is st- so stupid it makes sense. I almost want Villanova to lose in the Big East tournament so that I can bet on them in the, in, the, in the actual big dance starting next week. I feel like if they win the tournament, like the odds of them going on some, continuing some massive run, it almost feels like less likely to me. Yeah. I mean, it does feel less likely, but, you know, I, I'm really bad at figuring out seed lines. I'm really bad at figuring out where they're going to send teams. I'm really bad at a lot of these things, but 
Um, you know, the, you, you get a team out of um, you get a team like you just take take Villanova, for example, uh, you know, a well-coached team, a team that's got uh, you know, their coach has got skins on the wall. You put them in the, in the right bracket, in the right region with the right home court advantage, like a Syracuse did against Oklahoma a couple of years, you know, 15 years ago. And all of a sudden you've got yourself a team that's very, very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's just something about it. It feels like they're kind of due for a run. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it, kinda, it, feels, it feels like in the cycle that, that there it is. All right. We're still, we're still not sure yet. Auburn is, we're waiting for the start of the second half. They're down 16. If Auburn loses this game, it's so funny to me, RJ. I wanted, I wanted to buy Auburn almost all year. When you start to see them get away from home, mm-hmm. they start to impress you less and less and less. And it's almost like all of the, all of the, the stock I wanted to put into Auburn feels like I've transferred that over to Arkansas recently. But if they lose a and is is there any way they still stay at a one? Uh, again, I, I think it's a lot to do with how much the committee and how much thought the committee puts into these games. Uh, you know, every year you see this in every conference tournament. Some team makes a run. Some team that goes from the double-digit seed line, they'll make a run to the weekend. Uh, and, and A&M could very well be that team this year. Uh, they, they, they very easily could be. I would happen to look. I think if you were number one for as long as Auburn was this year, and you're not a one seed, that's a pretty big upset. That's you know that that that, that that's. I, I'm trying to think of another team that spent so much time at number one, and didn't get a get a one seed. Off the top of my head, I can't really think of anyone. That that's a fair point. I just wonder if maybe we're headed to. We're headed to the simple fact that it's going to be Arizona, Gonzaga, Kentucky, and Auburn, and then they'll match up Baylor and Kansas as two. With you know, maybe they match up Baylor with Kentucky and Kansas with Auburn. I I wonder if that's kind of how it's headed. Baylor, yeah, oh yeah, I, I think they would do that. I think they would if they were going to do. They're they're so closely uh, aligned that you would want to match up uh, those kinds of teams just because. You know, they, they are the ones that you're fighting with, and if you can't figure it out, put them in the same bracket. Let them fight it out themselves. See if you buy this. Let's say in a, in a world where Auburn gets a one and then Kentucky gets a two, and maybe in Kansas's region as a one. Am I insane for thinking Kentucky as that two scares me more than Auburn as a one? Um, why would it make a difference? Uh, in the end, you're you're probably right. It's just jersey color, and I mean, you know, instead yeah. of playing the eight nine winner, you're playing the seven ten winner. Honestly, yeah. I, I, look, I, I think the I, I would I'd rather be the three seed. I think than the one or two. I think the one or two, you get a dangerous as hell second round matchup. Eight nine seven eight nine ten seeds are loaded big conference teams that underachieve. That are dangerous. Six eleven is like you know that's your that's your run of the mill, um, you know, 
Usually it was a team that was pretty talented and disappointed, and those teams are yeah. scary come tournament time. Six, seed, six seeds are Texas. Nobody's scared yeah. of Texas. Yeah. That's what a six seed is. An 11 seed is Oklahoma. No one's scared of them. Let's continue the conversation about championship week when we come back right here on Beck ULU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action from noon to 8 Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Hey, welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. RJ, we're in kind of a, a weird spot in that normally we like to take a look at the games coming this weekend. We don't have usually don't have lines up, but Ken Palm can give us a decent feel of what the line is. We're officially, though, in tournament mode where we don't even know what the games are going to be tomorrow. We don't even know what we're going to be watching tomorrow. <laughs> we know we're going to be betting it. And I just kind of had this thought yesterday and see if you agree. Next week's obviously the week. I mean, th- those first two days, it's just incredible. It's awesome. Yeah. It's for degenerates. It's just the best. Like it, you can't, you can't get around it. This is like the third preseason game back when in the NFL, when you used to play four preseason games, this is the dress rehearsal. Your starters are going to play. Yeah. You're probably not game planning, but your starters are going to play for at least a half, maybe three quarters. It's going to get the feel. And this week has just emphasized for me. This is like the third preseason game. We've had fights. We've had coaches crying. We've had uh, Jim Beheim uh, with spin zones. We had Buddy Beheim's fist running into another player. Like we've just had, we've had all these little elements that remind you, like next week, next week it's yeah. on. Well, you know, you mentioned it's like the third preseason game. There's no game planning, right? That's yeah. the interesting thing. So take take the the Auburn A and M game for example. Auburn is not game planning. Auburn's in the tournament. They're at worst a two seed. A&M, but they're playing a team that is game planning because A&M knows their only chance to get in the tournament is to win the next couple of days. So they are game planning this game. And that's why that those teams in this conference tournament and all these conference tournaments, those higher seeded teams that make these runs, they're dangerous because they're actually putting forth a game plan. Teams in college basketball and teams in the NBA, game to game, Tuesday, Saturday, whatever, they don't game plan. They roll the ball out there and say, go play. They game plan come tournament time. Or they game plan when they're a bubble team and they've got to pull a couple of upsets out of their hat. Uh, NBA, they don't game plan until the NBA playoffs. That's why the, that's why I love the conference tournaments, though, is because you'll get some teams that are actively out there preparing, and I don't mean just reading scouting reports, I mean, really running plays to game plan like you would an NFL game against their opponent, playing teams that are just out there like they're at the YMCA. Yeah, it's kind of like bowl season. It's kind of you got to be armchair psychologist and try to figure out, okay, who cares? Because that that seems to really matter. The other thing that I love about this time of year, we just get unbelievable spin zones. I mean, this is... This is when you mentioned the gimmick that you like that you can that you can lawyer anyone. The gimmick on my show is I believe in rule number one. Don't tell the story. Tell your story. And yes, 
I made that up in a marketing class my junior year of college. But this is basically marketing season. You've got Buzz Williams with A&M referencing a, a tweet from Coach Cal saying, if you go 9-9 nine and nine in the SEC, you should be in. He's not going to say that he should be in, but he lets Coach Cal. I think he's yeah. a pretty good – when you let a Hall of Famer speak for you, you get Jim Beheim coming up with just an unbelievable spin zone for Buddy getting suspended that it was the ACC, it was the ref's fault, they screwed up. Yes, Buddy admitted that – uh, Wilkes ran into his fist. That was a complete and honest mistake. It won't happen again. But it's just it's just the best. Like, this yeah. is when college basketball is just on fire. Have you ever inadvertently punched somebody? I mean, like, an inadvertent punch uh, to me is when you're like, you know, you got to fake hit somebody in the face, right? You got to fake it. You, uh, you know, you're doing the, uh, you know, major flips yeah, kind of thing, the, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you accidentally uh, go too far and you clip their nose. That's an inadvertent punch. Yeah. That's not what this was. No, no. It was a wind-up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a wind-up. And he, like, you know, whatever. He's like, hey, I've been getting hit in the lane. But like, whatever. Like, it's just, it's just the best. Like, this is, this is when college basketball is at its finest because it feels like, Certain games matter, and you overlook the flaws of college basketball. You overlook the inability to shoot, the the defensive mistakes. Like it's just, it's just at its finest. Like, yeah, this is when it really does get me geeked up for next week. And it, you know, with as weird as it's been the last two years, the thing that has been emphasized to me more than ever throughout COVID, pandemic, everything, it is amazing how much human beings need habit. And if you throw up our sports calendar just a little bit, we, we're out of sorts. But, like, yeah. now we're getting back to, like, we had a normal football season. Okay, we had our couple of weeks of football's over, depression. But then we realized that we got hoops on all day. And yeah. now the crowds are back and the atmospheres. It really does. It feels like, to me, the most normal it's felt. And since, you know, honestly, two years ago today when Gobert, yeah. when the NBA canceled and started it all. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. Two years ago. Um, I'll tell you, you know, every, when football is over and thank you for the NFL by extending it an extra week. Yes. Because um, now it's like Valentine's Day area when when they uh, when they ended the season. We had basically, you know, a month. We had to get through a month. But yeah. after that, like I know right now my sports viewing calendar is 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 full until after the masters all right i i know it's full um and i don't get a whole lot i don't i don't typically watch i'm so busy with my kids sports i i, I was talking about this today on the radio i'm down to about two hours a week of tv during the week like it's yeah. bad it's really really bad um but you know i'm gonna have to try to carve out time you know come thursday of next week i'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out a way to do it you will find ways to do it. I don't have to watch the TV uh, for at one o'clock on a regular Wednesday, but I do next Thursday. That's for dang sure. Yeah, I've gotten to where I turn it into content on our radio show. I just let everybody know when I'm live betting and the games are on, and like you, you can follow along and you can listen to me die in real time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of what we do on BetQLU in the action. We don't we don't have video, but it's 
it's the same idea. Are there any teams out there? I'll throw one out. I, depending on when you listen to this, I don't know what the number will be. If you can get Memphis to win the American Athletic Conference tournament, I know it's like around plus 250 right now. I got it at plus 300. That's one I really like because that league's starting to kind of sort itself out. Houston is just so banged up. I just don't think they are they are what their record is. SMU is a tough matchup for Memphis, but I think Memphis is just playing better. When you get it at that arena in Fort Worth, you, you'll be able – I've been trying to explain to people, but you can do this better. Memphis people are, are afraid that SMU is just going to have a huge crowd. And I was trying to explain to them, y'all, they're not going to Fort Worth. Like, you know, like, that's too far. That's 30 minutes away, 40 yeah. minutes away. Like, they're just not I – like, I, I really think Memphis is going to have one of the bigger contingencies, and they're starting to figure it out. That's a bet I really like if you can find that as a future still. All right. So, yeah, it's really simple to explain this. Dallas is a wannabe L.A. Yep. And, and Fort Worth is a wannabe Yellowstone. And, yeah. and that's, that, you know, it's, it's like 1880. I mean, 1880, half of 1883, the opening scene of 1883, the TV show, was filmed right there in the stockyards. I mean, it really hadn't changed all that much. It's, it's, you know, it's got its uh, metropolitan aspect to it, but people in, people at SMU in Dallas, they're not going to go to Dickies. They're not going to Fort Worth. Uh, they're not going to, they're just not going to do it. They're, they're not going to do it. Um, but it, there, there's, there's some that will go that don't live in Dallas, the older, the older SMU fans, but they're not making noise. Don't worry about that. Yeah. I just, I really like the way that they're playing. And uh, SMU is a tough matchup, but I also don't think SMU is going to beat Memphis for a third time anything else interests you as we head into the weekend before we get the brackets on Sunday um you know other than who the number one seeds are going to be um you know the bubble seems I, I've I've lost I've lost count uh of the bubble when it's funny you, when my team is not a bubble team I don't look at the bubble there very much have you ever noticed that like when you're when you're safely in, I don't I don't expect Duke fans year in and year out to really pay attention to the bubble. I don't think they ever pay yeah. attention to the bubble. And I have found myself, all the teams around here, the Texases, the Techs, the Baylors, they're not bubble teams. The school I root for, Tennessee, we're not a bubble team. I've really lost track of the bubble this year, and I feel I've missed something. I feel I've missed something with that. Well, I think there's a couple of- – you are correct because the last couple of years, the team that I cover, Memphis, they've just lived on the bubble. And this year, they actually, for the most part, played themselves off of it. The thing that has been tough to track about the bubble this year is that there doesn't seem to be a great amount of consistency of who's where on the bubble. And then, you know, you have teams like Wake that lose to BC. Like, it feels like all these teams are are losing and so you can't really keep track. You got Michigan losing to Indiana. Well, does that mean Indiana now replaces Michigan? Well, then you'd be penalizing Michigan for playing a tougher out-of-conference schedule. I just think it's been a hard bubble to track because no one seems to have the pulse of who's where. Uh, that's true. There, there is no. And, and now there's so many services out there that have, a, uh, have their own bracketology, and everybody's bubble is kind of a little bit skewed. Some had the first four out, first four in, last four in, yada, yada, yada. 
Uh, and they're all a little bit different. And I don't know, the, the, the bigger Division One gets, which by the way, that's the other thing. That, that, yes. poor, that Bellarmine, poor Bellarmine is sitting there winning the A-Sun. And I mean, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen uh, where they can't even get in. But the, the more teams that get in to D1, I think the tougher it is to grasp what the actual bubble is. I, I think you're 100% right. I also think another complicating factor is we've got so many metrics that tell us. It, it used to be back in the good old days. It used to be two things. It was like eye test and were you in the right conference? And it's like now that we've we've put everything into like this similar pool, it just makes it so much harder to differentiate. It does. It makes it a lot harder to differentiate. And that's the problem. When you are the margins are so thin when it comes down to selecting, you know, this team versus that team from mid-major to, to, to power five. Your margins are so thin, you got to be able to find a way to differentiate them better. That'll do it for us. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. RJ will be with you tomorrow for BetQLU in the action four hours of live reaction to college hoops. This is Jeffrey for RJ saying thank you for watching to and listening to BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app.